turn with me in your Bible uh, to Romans chapter 8. Sorry, Romans chapter 9. Pray for me. If you think about it, just whisper a prayer while you listen. If you're a multitasker, I sure would appreciate you praying and listening at the same time. I know my wife is. She can do 20 things at once. So uh, I praise the Lord for a good wife and a good blessing. Let's read God's word. All right. God says in Romans chapter 9. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself, referring to Paul, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. May God bless the public reading of his word. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Bible. We thank you for the perfect words of God. We thank you. It's in our own tongue. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation. Now I pray that Lord, you'd help me to preach. I Pray that you'd help me to depend on you and look to you and lean on you. Help open your people's ears, open your people's spiritual eyes and open their spiritual hearts. And we will give you all the thanks and the praise till Jesus comes in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You May be seated this morning. Story we just read that the verses we just read in the Bible are uh, verses where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome. Paul, of course, is the apostle to the Gentiles. That's everybody. That's anybody that's not a Jew. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. He wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote it uh, to the church age. His writings were mostly to the church age. Now, a lot of what you're going to hear this morning is probably repeat and redundant because I've heard your pastor preach and teach. And a lot of what you're going to hear is a little bit repeat. But I want to deal with something that because I'm here to preach to you missions. And missions needs to be dealt with. And I, I deal with this question a lot on the mission field. And before I get ahead of myself, I want to stay on target. Here's Paul. He says to them in verse 1, he says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul speaking, I say the truth in Christ. That's the positive. That's the affirmative. I say the truth. And then he gives the other way and he affirms it in the negative. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. About what? Verse 2. That I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Here is a man that wrote most of the New Testament. Here is a man that God used to open the gospel doors to Europe. He's the man that God used in that gateway area of Macedonia and Greece and in that Asia Minor region that, that connects Europe and Asia, Europe and Asia, and it connects it right in that area. He's the man that God used to start churches in that area. K.I. Macedonia, uh, Thessalonica, Corinth, all of those were letters to churches that Paul started. You know that. He's the man that brought the gospel and from there the gospel spread from the east to the west, up into Europe, up and across into Britain. And then God in his divine providence and God is divine and he does have overall providence and he is in control of everything and his divine providence decided to take a Scottish king and put him on a British throne and put on his heart to translate the word of God into the English language 
And we sit here today with the word of God in our lap, in our hands, in a free country, because God did that. And then that king sent British soldiers on on British ships, ships around the world with trunks filled with Bibles. And the word of God made its way from Europe across to America. And we're sitting here today because one man obeyed God named Paul. Amen. He wanted to reach the Jews. He wanted to minister as to his own. How do you know? Because the verse says, man, there's something that's heavy on my heart. There's something that keeps a tear in my eye. There's something that keeps me awake all the time. And it makes me sad. It's that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Verse three, for I could wish. I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Don't you love the exact words in the Bible? Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. I love God's words. Notice what Paul said under inspiration. Verse three. For I I want you to say it when I I'm going to say the first three words. You say that fourth word with me, please. For I could. Let's do that again. Ready? For I could. I wish I I wish I may. I wish I might. Paul could wish all day long. Do you notice he didn't say, I pray. Oh, I hope. He said, I wish. Do you know why he said, I wish under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Because he knew it could not happen. I wish I could be separated from Jesus. I wish I could be not saved. I wish I could die and go to hell. I wish I could be separated from the one who hung abandoned in the night for my kinsmen, my brethren, the Jewish people. And he wanted to do anything and everything he could to see them saved. But a lot of times people die without Jesus Christ. And a lot of times this happens. But now we're going to get back to Romans chapter nine. But this morning, I want to answer a question that I have been asked over and over and over again on the mission field. What really happens to lost people when they die without Jesus Christ? Uh, we have a, a segment of Nigerian people in our church and sometimes they would get together and fellowship and have Bible study in their home and they'll sit down and they'll say and they'll start talking about, well, what about our ancestors generation after generation after generation in the past that lived after Jesus died on the cross in the church age before the rapture of the church, which has not happened yet past and future, but inside what you and I would call the church age. What happened to those Africans that lived in the remote villages of Nigeria. And sometimes Catholic people, when you witness the Irish people, they'll sit down and open the Bible and you show them, do you see you need to be saved? They'll, oh, I, I, Pastor, I see I need to be saved. And so, the, and then they'll look and say, do you know that Jesus died for me? Oh, sure, we know, but that Jesus died for me. You know, and you show them from the Bible, you know, do you have to be saved, right? And they'll see it. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes and their eyes get big, just like this guy right there. <laughs> and their eyes get big and they look at that and they look at the Bible and they look at you and they say, so you mean to tell me now, you mean to tell me that my grandmother, whom everybody loves in the West of Ireland, who everybody thought was a walking saint, who never drank, smoked, never chewed, never ran with bad people, went to mass every day of her life, went to church every day of her life, prayed on her knees till her knees ached with pain, saying the rosary bead for every one of her grandchildren. You mean to tell me that, dear old lady, who was as moral as the day is long, If she didn't do what you just showed me from the Bible, that she's not in heaven. What really happens to lost people when they leave this world and they've never heard for the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life. Ye must be born again. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the Nigerians have asked me that. The Irish people have asked me that. What really happens to those people who never heard? Please keep your place in Romans chapter number nine. I'm going to do a little turn in today. We're going to do a little Bible study, but we're going to end up right back here in Romans nine. All right. What really happens to those people? Let's go, first of all, to the book of Psalms. Go with me in the Old Testament to the book of Psalms, if you would, this morning. Job Psalms, Psalms chapter 19, Psalms chapter number 19. I don't want to answer this question. We are going to look at a few passages, but we're going to go back to Romans chapter 9, where we started. Romans chapter 19. So you have a man. The, the question is, you have a man who lived 500 years ago, and the missionaries from Britain never came. And the preachers of the gospel never made it to their village, their ancestors. And they sit out there. What happens to those people who never heard the name Jesus Christ? Look at what the Bible says in, in Psalms chapter 19. The Bible says, the heavens... Declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Verse two, day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech. I want you to see that phrase. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Verse four, their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Now, I just, I always say this at home. There's one word I preach a lot. I always say this word. I have, I say this a lot. I say context, 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 context. What do you mean? Who's speaking? Who are they speaking to? What are they speaking about? I say that over and over and over again. So the question is simple. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Verse 2, day unto day, uttereth speech. Who's speaking in verse 2? Day unto day, uttereth speech. And night unto night, showeth knowledge. Who is speaking? God's heavens are speaking. The blue sky above, the clouds above, the stars at night that sparkle and shine, and the throne room of God. The Bible says plural. Heavens declare the glory of God. And so... Uh, the Bible goes on and says their, their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. So, number one this morning, you're, the man is sitting in the village. It's the year 400 A.D. Christ had died and gone back to heaven 400, approximately 370 years ago. This man lives in a village. He's never seen an apostle. He's never heard the word of God. But he sits out there as he watches his herds, as he watches uh, the river go by, and he looks up, the Bible says, and the heavens declare the glory of God. And the heavens speak to this man's soul. The sky speaks day after day, day after day, day after day. And then it says at night, at night, it also shows knowledge. And so turn with me and so, well, we'll just stay there for now. And so what happens is he sits there and if he just sits, maybe he squats and he sits and he looks up as he watches his goats or sheep and he looks up uh, to the sky and he sees the sky. And the Bible says that that sky speaks to that man's soul 
every day, day after day, no matter what his language is, no matter what his tongue is, that God screams and the heavens speak and they speak over and over and over again. There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. Is that not what it's teaching? Day after day after day after day, there is a God. But he never heard the name Jesus. Are you with me? Do you see what I'm trying to say? What happens to the lost who've never heard? You must be born again. And night under night, Showeth knowledge. So the man who sits in Mexico before Columbus ever discovered America, the Incas and the Aztecs of the Western Hemisphere, they sit out at night and they warm their hands on the mountainside by the fire. And they look up and he ponders himself and he says to himself, who made me? Why am I here? What am I doing? There has to be more to eating and drinking and sleeping and having a family and living a life. There has to be more to this thing. And he looks up every night and he sees those beautiful stars in the sky that are poking through the black velvet sky. And he looks up and he sees them and they're always in the same place. They always make the exact same formation. Why don't they ever move around? And he looks up and he considers, the Bible says, to consider the heavens and to consider the stars. You see, friends, you know what a lot of folks are problems are? Folks... The reason that God's not speaking to the average lost man in the Western world, in the modern world, friend, brother, sister, is because no one is considering the heavens. Are you with me? You say amen. You get that? No one is looking up and looking at the stars. No one looks at the creation that speaks externally to the soul. We're all looking at screens. We're all looking at iPads. We're all looking at computers. We're all looking at the wall. I have a Mac. I'm right with God. It's okay. I don't do windows. It's all right. I have, uh, I said that to the last guy and he said the windows of heaven are open, but whatever, you know, so, uh, and so we have a Mac, but anyway, and I have a computer and we use screens. That's not the point. But God has a witness from the heavens above that will speak to the soul of man through number one creation. It tells us everywhere there is a glorious God. And if that man will be honest with that God and say, whoever you are, whatever you want from me, just tell me, please show me. And if he will receive that truth, then God, number two, will give him more truth. Right? Does that make sense? But if he says, There's somebody up there, but you know what? I really don't have time. There's money to steal. There's people to kill. There's a life to live. There's a rape, pillage, and plunder like so many uh, uh, um, chaotic societies did thousands of years ago. If he would not consider God, God's not look. He's not looking for God. Then God's not obligated to give him more truth. And so, number two, this man comes, if he'll be honest with God, number two, God will speak from the outside through creation. But number two, God will speak to that man internally through conscience, through conscience. Turn with me to Romans, please. Go with me to Romans chapter 2. We're going back to Romans just a little bit here. Romans chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. I know you know that. It's just a habit of mine because when you're working on missions, it's always first generation Christianity. You have to teach folks the books of the Bible, where they're located, what is a New Testament, what is an Old Testament. And so Romans chapter two, God will speak through conscience. Look at Romans chapter two and look at what the Bible says in verse uh, um, verse Romans chapter two. We'll pick it up in verse 14. God, Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for when the Gentiles, 
That's you and me. That's everybody that's not a Jew. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, oh, they don't have the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law. Would you say the next four words with me out loud? Ready? Written in their hearts which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another, excusing one another. Let me just talk about that for a second. That is the whole reason religion exists to give everybody an excuse for not following God and the word of God. Amen. That's what religion is all about. It's an excuse to get out of the truth. What I want you to see is this from the scriptures that it says that the Gentiles, even though they don't have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they don't have the law of God, the written words of God, even though they've never seen the Bible in the jungle, even though the man who lives in the Tibetan mountain a thousand years ago, never had the word of God. God says right there in those two verses that they have the law written in their hearts. They do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves. So God will speak, number one, through creation above the heavens. There is a God. And he says, God, show me what you want from me. Tell me what you want me to do. Then he's working another day. And he looks and he sees, he sees some sheep on the mountain and he looks this way and he looks that way. And he sees the sheep and he says, you know what? I'm down on my sheep. The wolf's got about three or four of mine. I could use about five or six of his. He comes over and he steals a few sheep and he starts to herd them on the other side of the mountain to keep his sheep. And he's never had a Bible and he's never had a gospel track and he's never seen a chick track. Can you imagine such a thing? Anyway, and so he brings the sheep over to his and he's, you know what? All of a sudden, his conscience begins to poke him. His conscience begins to speak. Thou shalt not steal. And he can't read and he's never heard that verse in the Bible. And he knows it's wrong. And the other guy, you know, and he looks over and he sees another man's wife. And he says, she sure is pretty. I'd sure like to take her and, you know, to take her to be in my house and take her to my hut and live with me and stay with me. But the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he's never heard that verse. Yet inside, something screams inside and tells him this is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Lying is wrong. Covetous is not wrong. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And so God will speak to him from the outside. God will speak to him from the inside. And uh, what happens is if people will say, yes, there is a God through creation. But then what they do is they take their conscience and uh, God begins to deal with them. And what they do is and I won't turn to there this morning. But what happens is um, they defile their conscience. You ever have something when you were younger? used to bother you. Now, I won't go into too much detail this morning, but I was not like pastor. I was not like my pastor. I was not born in the back row of a Baptist church all my life. I was born in the gutter. I was raised in the gutter and I grew up in the gutter. Um, pastor Roy Thompson, and I have more similar backgrounds. Uh, I started smoking cigarettes at a very, very young age. I was smoking by the age of uh, five years old. But the first time I started smoking, now kids, it's of the devil to smoke. Don't you smoke? It's not of God. God doesn't like it. Neither does pastor. And you'll smell terrible. And so listen, 
And you know what? The first time I smoked and the first time I was involved in drinking and things like that, I remember pausing and being a little bit nervous and thinking, this is a little bit wrong. And the first time the smoke went in my lungs, I went, oh, and I remember how it burned and I felt nervous and I felt scared. I don't know why I felt scared. I knew I wasn't going to die. My dad smoked every day, all day long. But all of a sudden I felt scared because my conscience was saying, this is a sin, this is a sin, this is a sin against God. And all of a sudden, but you know what? The second time it was easier. And the third time it was easier. And the hundredth time it was easier. And what happens is we defile our conscience, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 7. And we make our conscience weak, 1 Corinthians 8, 12. And it won't do the job that it was supposed to do, which was to bring us uh, to the law to the point where we know that we're, we need to be saved. And we defile our conscience and then we weaken our conscience. But 1 Timothy 4, 2 talks about searing our conscience where we do wrong and it's a sin and it's against God and it doesn't even phase a person anymore. You with me? And that's what happens is they harden their hearts and they harden their conscience and God no longer will speak to them. But if they will follow the truth of creation Number two, if they will listen to their conscience with the law written in their heart, then God will make sure that they get the canon of Scripture. Just turn back to Romans chapter 9. I'm going to quote a verse to you. Just turn to Romans chapter 9 back where we started this morning. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How does he get saved? Through the word of God. John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is not 90% truth. It is pure truth. It is all truth. And so God will save them. It is the good seed. It is the word of God. And if the, if God will speak from the outside and God will speak in the inside and they will receive the outside and they will receive it on the inside, then God will get them the words of God. God will make sure that they get the words of God. Now, again, I won't turn there. But Luke chapter 12, verse 7 says this, that even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Every hair that has fallen out of my head the last 45 years. I'm getting an implant. I'm telling you, taking this offering he gives me today, and I'm going to get a hair transplant. Amen. I'm going to get one of the big Baptist bouffants from the 70s. You remember them Elvis things? Some of you, some of you folks have been saved for a while. I want to get one of the big ones. Anyway, make me about that tall, you know. Be great. Even the very hairs of your head, God, Jesus said, are numbered. So let me ask you a question. If all the hairs are numbered, if every subatomic particle of your body, God knows about, and he knows every thought and act and intent in the past and the present, the future of your entire life and every other human being, Don't you think he knows where that man living in the mountains was? Don't you think he knows where the aborigine was 800 years ago? Don't you think he knows the people that lived in North America, the Shemites that lived there before Columbus and America Vespucci ever showed up over here? Does God not know their hurts and sorrows and pains? Can you say amen if you agree with that? He knows everything. He knows where they are. He knows everywhere they've been and they're going to go. And so God will get them the word of God. But I want you to see that Paul says in verse three of chapter nine, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. (sighs) He wanted his own people saved. 
He wanted them saved so bad. He wanted them saved. He was willing to die and burn in hell forever if all of his own people were saved. Now, he said, I wish, but it it was not going to happen like that. You see, God will speak to them, but you have a free will. And so what really happened to those people? Generation after generation after generation. After generation after generation after generation that never heard the salvation message. What really happened to those folks? You only have two schools of thought. Number one is this. You're chosen to die and go to hell. You're chosen to die and go to heaven. You're chosen to die and go to heaven. You're chosen to die and go to hell. You can't go to heaven even though you read through the Bible every day of your life and memorize from Genesis to Revelation. You can't go to hell no matter what. You have to go to heaven kicking and screaming and shouting the glory. You cannot go to hell. You cannot go to heaven no matter what you think, say, or do, or pray. You cannot. You cannot. You have no choice in the matter. God has chosen you to die and go to heaven. God is going to drag you kicking and screaming to go to heaven. God is going to drag you kicking and screaming and throwing you to hell. That's called Augustinianism. Amen, preacher? Augustinianism, which comes out of Catholicism, which is another version of rehashed and reformed. We call it Calvinism. Reformed theology, Protestantism, that's what we deal with a lot in the Protestants of Ireland. People are chosen to die and go to hell. People are chosen to die to go to hell. But that's not true. Amen? That is not true. That is not Bible. That is not of God. Whosoever will, uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so really, what happened to these people? truth of the matter is, and I had a hard time with this one. Maybe some of you have asked yourself this question over the years, and I've been asked it over and over and over and over again. The truth of the matter is, if they represent one generation after Christ, and this one represents the next generation, and 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 then we have missions where the world gets preached and the Bible flows freely like it does today, and you represent folks more in our day and age, What happens if he's never heard, this generation never heard, they've 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 never heard, heard, and Jesus died on the cross right here, and you're all forward from there. What really happened to those ones between him and the gentleman in the blue shirt right there? The truth is creation spoke, conscience spoke, and everyone that died and chose to go to hell, God knew where they were, God stretched out his hand, God said, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm able, I'm wanting, I I was naked, I was bleeding, I was dying for you. And the truth of the matter is they said, I've got a life to live. I've got a home to build. I've got money to get. I've got things to steal. I've got things to do. And they said no to revealed truth from God. That's what happens to people. Now, we can't help those generations. They're gone. And there's nothing we can do for them. They have made their decision. They're now in eternity. Some may be in heaven. Some may be in hell. But I want you to see what Paul said. I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Day and night he wept, and he wept for his people. And he was willing to make a deal with God. He said, God, I will do everything, including damning my own cell. I wish I soul. I wish I could. 
so that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, to every Jew that lived in, in under uh, Queen Esther, to every Jew that was in the Roman Empire, to the 12 apostles, to every Jew that died in the concentration camps, to every Jew that will live in the future of the tribulation and be preached to by the 144,000 Jews yet to come from 2011 in the future. I would die myself and go to hell if they would all get saved. I'm not that spiritual. I don't know if I could separate. He said, I wish. I don't know if I could say in my heart, I would be willing to die and go to hell for all of the Irish people to get saved, for all of the one billion Roman Catholics to be saved. But I want to challenge you, especially you guys. Okay? I find in my life, the older I get, it's harder to help them. It's easier to help you. You guys need to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach people. How far will you go to keep people out of hell? How far will you go? It's harder to reach folks when they're down. Now that does, I met a woman in our preacher in our home church, 60 years old, 60 years old, widow woman. She packed it up, hung it up and headed to the jungles of Brazil. Edna May Reed. You can look her up at Cleveland Baptist Church. Amazing woman, godly woman. But what would you do to keep your people that are on your heart out of hell. This is my American passport. This says I belong here. Amen. It says that I am a citizen of the greatest country in all of human history. And if you don't agree with that, well, there's a whole bunch of people carrying and concealing around here, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll take care of you. Better dead than red. Amen. I remember the old days. Better dead than red. Listen, God have mercy on the greatest country in all the world. This is still the greatest country in the world. This is still the freest country in all the world. There is because of great men that died on Iwo Jima and great men that died in Bella Woods in France and in Europe and in the battlefields. There is no swastika in that flag. We don't bow to the eastern sun today. You're saying being politically incorrect. I've been that way all my life. I was that way before I was saved. I can't help it. I'm always going to be that way. You've got to do something when you're five foot four. Amen. I mean, you're taller than I am. It's the hair. I'm telling you, it's the hair. That's it. I'm getting a hair transplant. I don't care. All right. Listen, no vacation. Hair transplant. Anyway, this says that I'm a citizen, that I belong here. And when I punch in from Ireland and they stamp my passport. Hello, Mr. Pittman. Where are you headed? You know what I feel like saying? I feel like saying anywhere I want to or please. Amen. But I don't. I don't have time. Going here, going to this house, going to live there. They shouldn't be asking me that question. This is my country. And I served my country in the Marine Corps. And I, I love my country. And I pray for my people. But I talk to young missionaries a lot. And they're Americans as well. And they'll come, Pastor Pittman, and they'll say to me, Brother, I'm called Ireland. I said, Brother, you're called Ireland? I'm called Ireland. I'm as called to Ireland as the guy in the Lucky Charms box. I'm as called to Ireland as St. Patrick of Ireland. I mean, I'm as called to Ireland as Ireland can be. I'm called. I'm, oh, yes, sir. I'm called. I'm called. I'm called. Oh, yes, sir. That's good, son. Good. That's really good. Praise the Lord. You're called of God. You love the Irish people? Oh, I love the Irish people. I cry myself to sleep singing, oh, Danny boy, every night, you know. I'm telling you, I love the Irish people. I'm called the Irish people. I have a great and heavy continual sorrow in my heart and burden for the Irish people. I love them so much. I want them all so saved. I want them saved. That's good. How far will you go 
Oh, I'll leave my family. I'll leave everything behind. I will pack it up, ship it up, ship it over. We'll cry and pray and we'll go and we'll just, we'll hit the ground running. We'll preach. We'll be a fool for Christ. We'll do whatever it is. And then I say this to them. You love America? Oh, yes, sir. I love America. And I'll say, would you be willing if the Irish government said, you can come here? We'll call him John. John, you can come here. You can live here till the day you die. You can preach on the streets of the Catholic Church, steps of the Catholic Church. You can go door to door all you want. You can preach the gospel. You can preach the Bible. You can disciple. You can convert everybody. But you just have to do one thing. Just one. You have to surrender your American citizenship. Now, your wife and kids, they can keep theirs. They can come and go as they please. But you, if you want to stay here, If you want to preach to us, you have to surrender this and never, ever go back. And then they all of a sudden it goes from yes, sir, yes, sir, to I've done it several times. Well, I, I, I don't know, brother. I've never really thought about that. Why? Paul was willing to die and go to hell. How far would you go to see people that are heavy on your heart saved? Paul was broken. Paul was burdened. Paul had a continual sorrow for people he wasn't called to. But he was willing to die and go to hell. So my question is this. How far will you go? We have it easy. We don't have to rely only on creation. We don't only have to rely on conscience. We have the web. We have the printed material. We have the perfect, completed word of God. How far will you go to see that person, to see that pocket of people? to see that group saved. What happens to the lost when they die? Where do they really go? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time.